This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. I am joined by Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. (laughs) (laughs) And it is the Batman Tetralogy Roundup today. And as always, we're here to talk 80s and 90s, so it makes a lot of sense that we're going to do this Roundup episode. How are you today, Trav? I'm pretty good. How are you, Drew? I'm I'm really good. I'm very excited for this episode. I think it's going to be really fun. We're going to be wheeling, dealing, all our own opinions on this one, so yep. you better love it. Love it or leave it. Yeah. <laughs> It's our way or the highway. Uh, yep, our way or the highway. So the homework review for this episode is the four Batman movies. So if you didn't uh, keep up with the first uh, few episodes that we did, this was your opportunity to watch all them movies again or for the first time, maybe. Who knows? Uh, and now we get to do this awesome uh, awesome show. Did you rewatch all four? All four, Drew. Did you... You didn't rewatch any of them more than once. No, not no. not this final time. But I I added it up and I've done each one four times at in least this whole podcast studying for our homework. So that's thirty two hours of Batman. Imagine if I put thirty two hours worth of work into actual schoolwork when I was in high school. It probably took the whole year <laughs> for that to happen. <laughs> for me at least. Oh, definitely for me. Um, I also rewatched these movies. Um, I crammed them into the space of two days, so it, it was a bit much, mm-hmm. um, especially with the last two. Um, I'm not going to lie. I did fast forward parts in Batman and Robin. It was our most recent episode that we did, and that movie's hard to watch. And I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep in the last 30 <laughs> minutes. I had to rewatch that last 30 minutes the next day. Oh, that's good. So I think we'll start off with the big four, the Batmobile. Bat suits, bat cave, and villains. Probably would have been better if that was a B for alliteration, but it's a V, so it's a V. It's a V. Let's start off with that Batmobile, all right? Um, so for eighty nine and returns, it's basically the same Batmobile, right? Basically, it, well, yeah, it is the same Batmobile. It's minus minus CGI shields, right? For the first one, because yeah. that was like practical effects. Um, obviously, both are very cool. Um, I really, so you didn't get to see a lot of the Batmobile in Batman 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to see some of it. It wasn't until about halfway through the movie, right? When he and uh, Vicki Vale escaped yeah. the Joker. Maybe That's even, a really cool scene though. It is. Maybe like three quarters of the way through the movie. Cause, Probably. Yeah. yeah. So you don't see it a whole lot. And it's really, uh, the Batmobile is up front and in your face the whole time in returns, which I really like. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciated all the uh, action and uh, the usage of the Batmobile and the way they worked the Batmobile a lot more into the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, once again, struck by why is Batman able to punch through the floor of the Batmobile in Batman Returns. Seriously. Take the good with the bad because Danny DeVito in that scene is hilarious. Yeah, definitely. is <laughs> hilarious and always gross, as always. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Um, I'll save this for for the last part, I guess. So in Batman Forever, it is a blue abomination. <laughs> it seriously is. I hate it so much. Uh, 
the one thing I can say about it that might be positive is that it looks of the time. Like, that's what you would expect to see out of a Batmobile in 1994, right? True. I mean, it looks like 1994. That whole movie looks like 1994. Yeah. But it's not, it's just not a very good Batmobile. Um, I do have to say at least the top's enclosed. Right. Unlike yeah. the worst Batmobile in the series. Yes, yes. The Batmobile in Batman and Robin. Maybe they needed it to light up because of all the blacklight situations in Batman Forever. <laughs> it but... could be. I don't know what George Clooney made for that movie, but maybe they just wanted to make sure that you could see his face. I, I really don't yeah. get why it's a convertible in Batman. Yeah, in Batman and Robin, yeah. It's just not... Uh, it's just so bad. Like They took a really bad idea... And they made it even worse. Even worse. I, I wrote down that it sucks in the same way that we're going to get to next. The same way that uh, Michael Keaton, so in 89 and in Returns, his bat suit. It's just bad. It just sucks. It, it's horrible. <laughs> it, it's kind of like the same thing. And they switched the Batmobile for the bat suit in, in that aspect. Uh, so best Batmobile? Definitely the first one. Definitely the first one. <laughs> I, I remember you saying that Jeff Dunham purchased this first Batmobile, and yeah. I said, why? And now after watching, okay, it's it's badass. When we rewatched these just recently, and we got to go from the worst Batmobile back to the best one, it's like glaringly significant how much more badass it is. Yeah, and that theme of watching the movies in a condensed space really is going to be uh, prevalent in this show yes. because it's all of the good and all of the bad become that much more evident when you watch eight hours, roughly eight hours of movies in two nights. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess that brings us to the bat suits and the bat suits are Batman's weakest definitely attribute in any of the movies. Definitely. Cause I mean in that first, so I kind of think I put my finger on what, really makes uh, Michael Keaton's bat suit the worst, easily the worst, especially the one in 1989. And it's the realistic abs. I know <laughs> I know in the later movies that they're body hugging, you can see all their muscles and stuff, but the realistic abs on Keaton's bat suit are just so, like, I don't know, it's just so, it just doesn't work at all. Right. It just looks so bad. Um, slight, he, slightly improved in returns because it's just like armor. Right. Yeah, he's not jacked himself, no. so it's just weird. It's it like is he's weird. like lying to his villains to yeah. scare, intimidate them more. Or exactly. Something. It's it's yeah. But that suit, besides the neck, I mean the neck. You can talk about the neck all day. You can talk it's about horrible. it's just it's just so so terrible. Um, but that doesn't let the other bat suits really off the hook. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but they do get better. They do get better. So in Batman Forever, this is the first major revamp of the bat suit. Um, it's much better. Much it looks better. more flexible. And, you know, maybe that even goes to something with Val Kilmer and his, he seems to be more athletic than Keaton was at any point in any of the Batman movies. Definitely. Right. And so maybe he makes the suit look, look less cumbersome, look less stiff because he's able to do more. I'm, I'm sure it is less of those things, yeah. you know, with the new iteration in Batman forever. Um, I'm going to mention them again, but those bat nipples, I mean, take it for what you want, you know, just it's, it's, it's weird that they're there, but they're there and they're there for the rest of the series. Yep. Um, I do like how they introduce the convention in Batman forever of a new and improved or higher tech bat suit for the final 
uh, sequence of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was cool that uh, uh, Val Kilmer, uh, Bruce Wayne, changed into that new bat suit. You know, Alfred said, uh, "But the you haven't done any testing on the sonic upgrades or something along those lines, right?" Yeah. Um, so it it was a better suit. It was more futuristic looking. It had that you know. Uh, mid to late nineties, silver, gray, silver, gray, silver, gray thing going for it. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was an improvement. It was interesting to work that in there. There was no reason for them to switch their bat suit and they just did it anyways. Right. right. Um, and then same thing with, uh, Clooney's bat suit in, uh, Batman and Robin. And it's basically the same suit that Kilmer wore. Um, it's a little bit different. There's some slight different design, uh, design details in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Clooney's a little smaller of a guy. Yeah, Clooney seems to be a little bit of a smaller guy. I do have to say, I like the way Clooney's lower face looks the best out of all of them. Definitely, he's got the best job <laughs> he's got for the, the job. Yep. I like your lower face, George Clooney, if you're listening. <laughs> yep. um, oh, he's listening. But And then they did the same thing where they switched up the bat suit uh, for the last uh, quarter of the movie, last third of the movie. But like we said in that podcast, that was just a retooled, revamped suits from Batman, uh, Batman Forever. Correct. So, it, it, all the suits were fine. Uh, Keaton's suits suit was the worst. Definitely. Um, that's the biggest knock to that movie, really, to both of those movies. Is mm-hmm. his bat suit is just just does not hold up. I I don't remember thinking. I remember there being complaints about his bat suit and satire done on his bat suit on Keaton's bat suit way long ago. But personally, I don't remember ever thinking like, man, that's so bad. But looking back at it, it doesn't hold up. Right. Not at all. Um, so I guess best bat suit is Kilmer's. That's what I would say. Yeah. 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 Who cares? (laughs) They're not great. (laughs) They aren't It's just the weak part of any of these uh, films. Something you have to get over in every movie. You kind of do. And maybe I've made too much about it in my mind so that I'm I'm concentrating on that. But who knows? So I guess we can just move on to the Batcave. Batcave. Did we make it into the Batcave? I think we're in here. (laughs) Master Dick. Alfred. (laughs) Alfred. (laughs) I'll cancel the pizzas. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, so the echo is more distracting than I had hoped it would be. We can step out of the back cave. Okay, I'm gonna go up the little tube that uh, uh, Keaton's Batman went down in the second movie. That's what I'm, gonna, I'm gonna crawl up that tube. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, I really, really like. Uh, the very first Batcave in 1989. Um, I love the look of it, like retro futuristic, because it's yeah. still CRT TVs. Mm-hmm. It's dials and switches and yeah. all that type of stuff. Everything's kind of stacked up on top of itself. Um, I really like the look of it. And besides, there's... So is it in that... No, that's in the second one, where they have a really extended back uh, look at the cave. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get a very small glimpse of what the actual Batcave is in Batman 1989, uh, but I, I appreciate that it's dark, yep. that it is a cave, yep. 
that it is damp yep. and that there are bats in it. Definitely. Uh, it's a it's a cool bat cave. It is what you expect it to be. And it's kind of funny that it's not as practical as it could be, too. Yeah, it definitely is not a practical bat cave. No. They kind of solve that issue in the next one. Yeah. Because it's the same bat cave, but it's slightly different. Yeah, revamped. Revamped bit. bat cave. I do like that you get to see some wider shots of the bat cave. Mm-hmm. Like after... Um, in Batman Returns after the Batmobile does its little skinny deal and stuff like that and they yeah. get away from the uh, the Red Triangle gang and Bruce is then working on the Batmobile in the Batcave and then Alfred comes up and you get a wide angle shot that's it's obviously a matte painting that mm-hmm. they're you know but it looks really cool it's like the biggest most expansive shot of the Batcave that you get in any of the movies yeah Um, I just when we rewatch when I rewatched that I was like wow I really I really like that shot a lot. Yeah, it was definitely sweet. In that cave, also that bat cave also falls under the category that it's still a cave, it's still moist, and it's still full of bats. <laughs> yeah. uh, one other thing about that bat cave is, and he Alfred has his own station in this one. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He sits at his own little desk. You can tell it's his. I'm surprised they didn't put some sort of bobble or something on there yeah. to really say, yeah, this is where Alfred sits. But yeah. I mean, he's there later in the movie. Yeah. When he's trying to uh, scramble the signal for the penguins. Yeah. Um, so Batman Forever, that bat cave, it's new. It's not as cool. It's much less a cave. And it has terrible security. That's going to be terrible <laughs> security. The theme for these next two bat caves, while they're basically the same bat cave, uh, is terrible security. <laughs> <laughs> intruder 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 um it it looks way more futuristic kilmer's bat cave does it looks um way more hollywood it looks yeah. like way more future thinking uh less dank and just a much larger more practical space that you see like somebody actually using for a, a garage slash yeah. headquarters type of thing um in Batman and Robin, the cave is basically the same exact set. Uh, there's a few modifications. Um, it's definitely not as cool still. Um, it's probably the first time that I saw like flat panel TVs on movie screen. Yeah. I'm really. Yeah. Like, Cause that was in 1997. They were just coming out mm-hmm. uh, and that was high tech and they were probably, they were little tiny plasma screens like Michael Scott's, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, the best Bat Cave for me is 1989. Definitely. Um, like I said before, I just really like the look of that cave. And Tim Burton's idea for what the Bat Cave is is about what you th- expect the Bat Cave to right. to look like. When I think of the Bat Cave, I could even say that that's what I hold in my mind's eye is yeah. something, if not that exact Bat Cave, something similar. Right. So I guess. So far, it seems like Batman 1989 is uh, doing a pretty good job of winning this competition. There's no competition. It's dominating, that's Uh, for sure. (laughs) And I think it's going to continue here shortly. I think so, too. Um, With that said, we'll move on to the villains. Uh, You want to start at the top, go uh, in uh, chronological order, or do you want to save the best one for last? Um, Let's let's just go in order. Okay, we'll go in order. So the Joker... uh, Jack Nicholson is an absolute treasure in this movie. So amazing. Um, my wife watched uh, 89 with me this last time when I when we watched it. And even she was like, wow, 
Yeah. Like, wow. That's all you can get out right? of that. She, just, wow. She had very little interest in watching the movie. She was on her phone a lot of the time, which is fine. I was like, do you want to watch this? She's like, I got nothing else going on. <laughs> okay, let's watch it then. <laughs> but even, yeah, even she thought that, like, he is a scary character. He, It's just Jack Nicholson being his best. Definitely. Uh, he's compelling. He's convincing. Magnetic and intense. Uh, he demands the, your attention when he's on screen. Uh, one thing that I do want to say, and I think I may have mentioned it in that podcast, is his makeup on makeup that he has to do so often yeah. in that movie, that, is, that had to really, really, really stink. Yeah, seriously. Like, I can't imagine having to put on a thick layer of probably waterproof makeup yeah, and the then white. put makeup on over the top of that. Yeah. Man, no, that's, thank you. no thank you. No thank you at all. And he's just absolutely, like, there's no, no flat part in his performance the whole no. movie he's just yeah. killer the whole as time as soon as he's the joker he carries the movie from mm -hmm. that to the end well even how we talked about before when we first see him as jack napier watching uh, uh harvey dent billy d williams on the tv and he's just flipping that card around the deck right even then he's just like bam he's got gotcha. you so pretty much jack Nicholson pretty, carries yeah. the whole movie he yeah, yeah um he's definitely the secret star of 89 yeah he is the star of 89 as much as you it's a batman movie it's it's a, it's a joker movie just as much yeah i kind of wish he didn't die agreed and i was really thinking about that a lot uh after i was putting this stuff together for the show like that is really he must have wanted to be dead and done with the series i'm guessing but... um because it's a tragedy yeah because <laughs> they probably would have let him just Name his price for the next movie. Probably, and that, and if I remember correctly, Returns had a really big budget. Yeah, like a hundred million dollar budget, didn't it? They probably could have got. He just probably had no interest anymore. And I, I like the idea of him and Catwoman together in the same movie. Because yeah, they both kind of carried their respective movies, and they mm -hmm. both are like, well. She kind of has a goal because she's pissed at certain people, like Max Shrek and whatever. They both kind of just have mindless destruction. Like, they're just doing it to do it. Like, he says he wants his face on a $1 bill, and she's just kind of, like, jumping around, skipping around, blowing up places, you know? So they kind of mesh together better than her and Penguin. So it would have been cool. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely. That, that, yes, we are on the same page for that automatically. Like, when he died in that first movie, I know I just said this, but when he died, I was just like, no. Yeah. No. He's he's not mush like he should be. Maybe he's still alive somehow. Right. But we did find out, I guess, if we draw our conclusions from uh, Batman and Robin. He had nothing in Arkham Asylum's little thing there. So. Right. But whatever. He has perished. He has perished. Um, speaking of perishing, the Penguin. <laughs> Danny DeVito really is the best. He's really good. He is really good. Did we talk about him looking like the troll from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No, we didn't. So I really think when we first see Danny DeVito in Batman Forever, uh, or Batman Returns, um, he looks like the troll from the Dayman the Nightman Cometh episode, yeah. right? <laughs> so I'm thinking that Glenn Howerton and gang decided to dress him up and make him look like the Penguin as much as possible for that role. Yeah. Because it, it's pretty... Un He's even got the pointy nose on It's Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah, for it, yeah. So I think they're doing their best to make him look like the Penguin again. But I digress. Um, he is very gross throughout this whole... <laughs> 
whole movie. I hate that onesie. Oh, oh my goodness. Gross. Especially at the end when he's running all around his little lair and yeah. it just looks like he's got poop stains. Oh, on yeah. Oh, he's sharting for sure. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I think the penguin serves as the comic relief in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, he's funny, but the jokes are super crude. Oh, he's super, super dirty. Yeah, he's super dirty. Um, just like Alexander Knox was the supposed to be the comic relief in Batman 1989. Yeah. But most of his stuff felt very flat. Brutal. Maybe it was funny then, but his jokes are not good. No, the only time no. that I laughed at him in that movie was when he got uh, hit over the head when he was trying to, uh, or no, when he got, no, yeah, when he got ran and ran over by the car. Uh, when he was trying to fight off uh, Joker's goons in the parade, yeah, and that was the yeah. best part of the, that was the best part of his movie. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about DeVito? Because I mean, he was he was a good villain. He was a very large part of the movie, uh, but besides being gross and being crude and wanting to like be in power for sexual reasons, is what it seemed <laughs> yeah. like. He's his character's kind of thin. Yeah. It's it's kind of thin. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of substance. No, he doesn't. Which and anyone raised in sewers by penguins probably shouldn't <laughs> have too much substance. Like, I'm honestly surprised at just how sexual he is with everything. It's like, where did that even come from? You are right. It's amazing. He can even put a sentence together, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are right. He should have, like, no personality. He was raised by penguins. Yeah. <laughs> um. But this brings us to Catwoman, who is amazing. Amazing. Uh, amazing. She is the obvious secret star of Batman Returns. Definitely. Uh, she's the secret star, so much so, that she gets the final scene in the movie. The final scene. She gets to do what Batman does. In the final scene in of the, the first final, one. In the final scene of the first one. Yep. Uh, that's in, like, when I rewatch it, I'm like, oh my God, she got the final scene. Like, yeah. it never really dawned on me before, but she is the star of that movie. And it makes it even more upsetting that she's not in another one. Oh my God. Because she doesn't die. That's what I said. <laughs> I would I would absolutely love to see Michelle Pfeiffer uh, reprise that role. Definitely. In any, any way possible. Yeah. Now. Like, now. Let's do as, it now in 2022. As a voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> like, Some, any, seriously. Anything. Yeah. Anything. Catwoman definitely needed more screen time. Yes. She had a lot, she but had she a needed lot, more. But she needed more. She needed much, much more. Um, I guess we can move on to uh, uh, Batman Forever now. Um, the Riddler is Jim Carrey, right? Definitely. It's just it's Jim just Carrey. Being go Jim be Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah, go be Jim Carrey. Uh, like the Joker, in kind of a different way, he really takes over the scenes when he's on, he when he's on the screen. It's really all about the Joker when he's on there. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote down that we're basically seeing what it would look like if Jim Carrey was a supervillain. Yeah, definitely. It would be a similar thing. You'd be telling jokes and making people look like fools and I wanting to be controlling. So yeah. I, I, the Joker, or excuse me, uh, the Riddler is a fine villain. Um, it's interesting that he, would you say he's the main villain of that m- movie? I think technically Two-Face is the main villain because he's like the first villain in the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I agree that the Riddler steals that role kind of by the end. Yeah. Because he's the one with the real master plan. True. Two, Two-Face is just Two-Face. Yeah, he's he's more of a thug towards yeah, the end than anything. He just hates Batman because Batman tried to save him. Accidentally burnt. He didn't even throw the acid at him. He, he, just, no. pre- he just prevented the acid. Didn't that prevent jerk. the acid. That jerk. 
And I did notice, let's see here, so when I rewatched that, I don't know if your Blu-ray is still skipping or not, but we talked about that part, and he does actually say, let's see here, he says, For your dying pleasure, we serve you the very same acid that made us the men we are oh, today. Oh, so I so totally he, missed so he that. he does say that right away. There you go. See? I was uninformed. Yep. I, that brings us straight over to Tommy Lee Jones, I guess. Um, Two-Face, when he's on the screen, it's really hit or miss. It's really hit or miss. It's either great or it's noticeably bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I guess you could say it seems like his heart wasn't really in it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, he, he kind of questioned what he was even supposed to do with the role. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's kind of evident. It, it is kind of evident. Um, would you have liked to have seen Billy D. Williams? I would have, yeah. I, I, as much continuity as possible is what I would have liked he's, to see. He's such a smooth character, though. How would I don't I don't know how he would play the two different roles. Like, true. Have you ever seen a Billy D. Williams movie where he's like ranting and raving and angry? Mm-mm. I mean, I've never seen him in anything else. I don't Star think. Wars. Oh, he's in. Star yeah, Wars. he's uh, Lando Calrissian. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I just, I, I don't know if I can see him playing that role. It would have been an interesting thing to see. And like you said, the continuity mm-hmm. would have been great. The so continuity maybe he didn't, he questioned himself on being able to pull that off. I think, I think his story is that he was never asked. Oh, okay. That they just moved on. They're like, nah, he can't do I it. guess not. Because uh, I did like Billy D. Williams in Batman 1989. I mm-hmm. wish he would have had some more, some more to do with that. That would have been nice. I guess with that movie taken care of, let's move on to Poison Ivy. Um, Uma Thurman is fine as Poison Ivy. That's about all I have yeah. to say. She's fine. Uh, so more of a critique, I guess, even though I have no right to have a, I, it's my opinion. All right. It's yeah. my opinion. Come on guys. <laughs> we said that at the beginning. Uh, um, she, Uma Thurman kind of seems to play all her roles in a similar fashion. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time getting past that because there's points. I know she did kill Bill after this movie. But there's points where I'm like, oh, Kill Bill. And then there's points where I'm like, oh, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I get too hung up on that. And for me, it kind of ruins, 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 ruins uh, the role for me. It, mm-hmm. It's hard for me to get past it. And mm, I notice myself thinking that a lot more after multiple rewatches. So I think that might yeah. be a victim of that. Um the physicality in her role, though, she does an amazing job at. Mm-hmm. The fight scene that she has with Batgirl is arguably the best fight scene in the whole movie. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So she does a really good job with that. Um, she's ultra-sexual in it, like over-the-top sexual, which over we talked top. about. But she was, ultimately, she was fine in the role. I don't know, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, circa 1997, that I think I would have liked to see in that role more. Like, could Jennifer Aniston have... I mean, pulled it off. That would have been pretty awesome, but I I don't know that she could have pulled you it would, off. You would think in 1996, like Friends is riding pretty high at that point, oh, right? Oh, definitely. And you'd think like a Courtney Cox or a Jennifer Aniston would be up for a role like that. You would think they might have been Too naming whatever they wanted to do at that point. It's so. true. Was that when they were making like how much were they making an episode? Like it was a big deal. I remember two million an episode. Or yeah, something. but by the end, I think they were getting two million an episode in season ten. This would have been like season three ish when this came out. So not that much, but yeah, I, still I, plenty. I'm yeah, sure. I really don't know who 
could have played that role. I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones? Maybe. Maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but Mr. Freeze is a true highlight of a terrible movie. True <laughs> highlight. He carries you through that movie. He really does. And you know, most of the stuff that Arnold shot in that movie was like one-on-one with the camera and everything else that everybody else is doing. When you see Mr. Freeze in that movie, it's most of the time it's a body double. And really? Everybody, every, nobody really worked with Schwarzenegger. There's scenes where like Thurman and Schwarzenegger are in the same or like uh, 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 Chris O'Donnell and Schwarzenegger are in the same scene. But for yeah. the most part, they were acted by themselves. So like when you see the, the close-ups of Schwarzenegger's face, he is just acting to the camera. Really? There's nobody else around. That's weird. It is very weird. Um, but he's he's great in it. I'm a Schwarzenegger rube. I really like Arnold. I've liked all his movies forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I am a big fan of Schwarzenegger. Is he the secret star of this movie? I honestly think he is rewatching it. I think, like you said, if you take it kind of more as a comedy... You have to, to get through it. <laughs> you do. But it makes it all right. It does. Like, it he does. is pretty damn hilarious in it. I mean, for instance, when Batman says, Hey, freeze. I'm Batman. And like, that's a, that's a comedic line delivered. And then he grinds down a dinosaur. Like, yeah. It's yeah. a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then finally, I guess we saved the worst for last, Bane. Completely throwaway character. Bane! <laughs> <laughs> Just a complete throwaway character, and considering how important he is in the comic books, and even what they did, I know talking about uh, Nolan's Batman uh, series it happened way after the 90s, uh, to see what you can do with a character like Bane, and then having the... Uh, retrospect to see what was done with Bane. It's it's, sad. it's a waste. It's just a complete waste. So easily thwarted too. It's For, when you rewatch it again. Why did they not try that ahead of time? Hey, did we try pulling the tubes out of his head? Yet? Yeah. No. We don't. What about them <laughs> tubes that are going in his head? I think that's like making him stronger. I don't know. Just I guess try to punch him in the chest for the third time. Yeah, just punch him. Just keep punching him. Uh, was there any other villains or characters that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I don't think so. I got nothing else for that either. So I guess we can go move on to the Batman Tetralogy. Those silly, silly Greeks. Silly Greeks. So we're going to do some best and worst lines. Um, I did the first two movies. Trav did the second two movies. We kind of split it up so we could have some viewing pleasure out of at least some of the movies, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wrote down for best lines in Batman 1989, I'm Batman. It's a pretty obvious choice. Uh, obviously. Um, when uh, Deckard and, or Eckhart, Deckard, Eckhart, and uh, at the time Jack Napier uh, are in the alleyway, and Napier, Napier's paying them off, and they have their little uh, face off with the guns, and Napier goes, you better be sure. That's, that's a good a, one. That's a good line. Um, for best lines, shoot to kill. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, elaborate. <laughs> And when uh, the Joker makes his appearance for uh, Grissom after he's presumed dead, and he goes, you can call me Joker. That's a pretty, pretty dang good line. Obviously, wait, wait till they get a load of me. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of the movie, I, I don't know if I've just missed this line in the past, but it seemed... Not very fresh in my mind, like it's something I had just glanced over when uh, Joker and uh, Vicky Vale are dancing in the clock tower, 
And he goes, Beauty and the Beast. If anyone calls you Beast, I'll rip their lungs out. Yeah, That's a really good line. And then when Batman's beating him up before, when Batman's beating the Joker up before he falls over the edge and does that awesome impossible grab, pulling everybody down over the edge also with them, he quickly puts on glasses like... He's been carrying these glasses with them. Yeah. And just says, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Clock. Just some really, really good lines. And obviously those lines were very Joker-centric. Oh, definitely. Um, Worst lines, Hello Legs gets number one. Hello Legs. (laughs) Also worst line, Shoot to Kill. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious, but a bad line. <laughs> it's a very bad line. Um, how much do you weigh? I'm not a fan of that line. And check his wallet. Check just, his wallet. Just some bad, bad lines in those movies. Um, do you have any more that you might have thought of off the top of your head while we were talking about that? No, not from the first one. I think you got to cover. Um, so I guess anything else with um, Batman 89? I want to talk about the Batwing. It, it's very, very cool. It is very cool. Um, it was, uh, I, I, I don't know if it was a big reveal. I seem to remember that it might have been in promotional material. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it very, it looks very good and very convincing for a movie made in 1989. Yeah. Um, do you think anybody's ever tried to like recreate that in real life and see if it's even a plausible design for any type of airplane whatsoever? I'm sure somebody out there has thought of that. <laughs> but we've never heard from them because they died. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole time I was watching 89, I kept thinking, man, I'm really nostalgic for the model work in that mm-hmm. movie instead of CG, instead of computer graphics, and the matte paintings. Like, we don't see a lot of that stuff in especially blockbuster movies because it's just a lot easier to farm that work out overseas and have somebody sitting in a cube, mm-hmm. you know, design up the backgrounds or whatever like that. But the 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 patience, the artistic ability, the the foresight to be able to like understand while you're shooting the movie what's going to be back there mm-hmm. and then directing the people to do what you want to do with they can't see it you know i mean same kind of thing right. with green screen they can't see it but it's in your mind and then an artist will recreate what you want like that yeah. is very cool to me mm-hmm. um i really definitely absolutely uh missed that about movies and really appreciate it about tim burton's 1989 batman uh did you notice that pat hangle's missing a finger I didn't. Yeah, he's missing a finger. It's on his, so I'm trying to, so in the bell tower, you see it in the beginning of the movie also. You see it once in the in 1989. You see it in the beginning of the movie. You see it once at the Axis Chemical Plant when they're trying to get Jack Napier before he turns into the Joker. And then you see it at the end when the bell falls to the bottom and traps the cops at the bottom of the of the bell tower. But it's on his left hand and it's his pinky. And I was like, hey, he's missing a finger. That's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I think you see it. You, I don't think you see it in Returns. I was looking for it. I believe I saw it in Forever, but didn't see it in Batman and Robin. Every other. Every other. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of kind of funny. I wonder what the story would be behind that, but who knows? Joker did it. The Joker did <laughs> it. <laughs> Anything you would like to add about Batman 1989? Anything that you want to talk about? I mean, rewatching it, there was one, I mean, there's a lot of ridiculous things in the movie, obviously, but we talked about why are you going all the way to the top of this clock tower cathedral thing out of nowhere at the end of the movie, but one thing I notice is when 
Kim Basinger, I'm forgetting, oh, Vicky Vale, mm-hmm. when her shoe comes off, he throws it down the center of this thing, which is just completely wide open to the bottom. The steps are on the outer edge of this tower. And then the shoe lands two feet in front of Batman, <laughs> like a hundred feet down on this thing. Somehow he just had that perfect angle, bam. Convenient. And then he shoots the acid on the bell mm-hmm. and that falls. And sure enough, knocks off the steps two feet behind Batman <laughs> all the way to the bottom. There's just a couple ridiculous things leading to that ridiculous Joker flip over the building at the end. Oh, right. That is, it is so ridiculous. He flips over and manages to grab the two of them and pull, flip, pull them both down. Pull them both. It's just so weird. It's as weird as the, the fight scene in, uh, in returns where it seems like Batman knocks Catwoman off the roof. But then she ends up behind him on a different roof. Yes. It he just... whips the acid. I I really was trying to figure this out watching that again. He whips that acid up at her arm. She's clearly above him and he's dangling. She just tied him with the whip or whatever. Yep. A- after he does that, it looks like she falls down and somehow he's above her. Right. So he like lunged up above her 20 feet and... It's very confusing. It is f- super confusing. I I didn't understand that whatsoever. I would love to sit down with the with Tim Burton or whoever edited that scene and be yeah. like, "Explain to me how this works, yeah. please." Like, <laughs> did you miss this? <laughs> Whoopsies. Oh man, but I, I 89 is a great movie and it really set the groundwork for what superhero movies can be in the future. Yeah. I don't think we'd have the same type of Marvel Universe that we have now without Batman 89. Um, we wouldn't have the, the probably the love for superhero movies that we do without Batman 89 because it proved that the it's a viable movie. It's a mm-hmm. viable um, idea to do movies. America wants to see superhero movies. And even though it's Batman, it proved that villains can carry a movie. Too. Yeah, yeah. And it was almost, especially for, not so much with Schumacher, but with uh, Tim Burton, it seemed like he really wanted to push that idea that yeah. the villains are just as important as Batman. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you wouldn't have one without the other, and Joker and Batman even explore that paradox that they have for each other, which Mm -hmm. is interesting enough. Um, So, but Batman Returns, let's do some best lines out of Batman Returns. So, Dad, go save yourself. Dad, go. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. We did just before we started this podcast, we talked about how that actor is trying to do a walking impression, right? To make it seem like they least uh, grew up, like he grew up with them or something. At all, think of that until you said, as soon as you said, wow, he is definitely trying to do a Christopher Walken. Do you think he's uh, Christopher Walken's son, Chip, right? Yeah. Chip? Chip. 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 It seems kind of like a genetic experiment or something because he bears zero resemblance to Zero. He looks like some surfer boy from California. Yeah, something like that. Um, I loved it when uh, Max Shrek sees Penguin for the first time, and the Penguin says, "I believe the word you're looking for is ah." <laughs> yeah. I love that line. That, that one is got, a good one. That one got me going. Uh, best lines: anything that comes out of Michelle Pfeiffer's mouth. Absolutely anything <laughs> from beginning to end. I, I love it. Her first really best line was uh, when she figured out uh, his password. Uh, I figured your password was Geraldo. Like, it's just a funny line. Yeah, it's just definitely. Just a goofy line. Um, when I, I talked about this in the podcast we did for uh, Batman Returns, but 
um, when everybody's looking at the papers and they're talking about the penguin and the one guy says, nah, he's more like a penguin. More like a penguin. (laughs) (laughs) And then same with Max Shrek again. I got better fish to fry. I enjoy that one. Um, you you gotta include at least you, my nose could be gushing blood, right? You gotta include that. <laughs> what? My, yeah. my nose? That's just <laughs> <good>. <laughs> uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, well, Catwoman when she breaks into Max Shrek's uh, department store and she gets confront confronted by the guards. She says, "You poor guys, always confusing your pistols with your privates." <laughs> I enjoy that line. It's a very funny line. I like that. Um, her simplest line of the whole movie before the department store explodes. Meow. I love it. And then finally, when Batman destroys her, punches her right in the face when uh, he's trying to rescue the Ice Queen. Eat floor, high fiber. <laughs> it's a very comical line and uh, is meant to be a gag, I'm sure. Yeah. Worst lines to t- start it off. Dad, go save yourself. Dad, go. <laughs> uh, Max Shrek, he's he's pretty good for a couple of bad lines. Uh, you think you can go round for round with Mohammed Shrek? <laughs> like, come on, man. That is such bad. a bad line. Um, then another crude one from uh, the Penguin. I'll teach her my French flipper trick. I hate that, that so much. I hate bad... the, I'll, I'd like to fill her <laughs> void. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then Max Shrek, unlimited poontang. <laughs> is my impression getting any better? It's getting better. Right, seriously, right. I love it. Uh, I'm glad because that first time I did it, it was very bad. Um and then the guards after, you know, uh, in that same scene in the department store with Catwoman, the guards say, I don't know whether to open fire or fall in love. It's a pretty bad line. Yeah. And I do have to say one bad line from Catwoman. Uh, Life's a bitch. Now, so am I. Yeah. It's maybe because that whole thing is very played up because it's a very 90s thing to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then. The coup de gras, the ultimate worst line of these first two movies. Ultimate. Goodwill towards men and women. <laughs> and women. God, that, that is just so, just, it's just so bad. I it's hate just that that's so, Keaton's so last bad. line. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's, it's his last line. That's his last line as Batman. Yeah. Just a complete throwaway garbage line. Um, I want to talk about how this movie and the snes game resemble each other so much they do they really do like they did a very good job of trying to create a movie that was or a game that was very true to the movie Mm -hmm. i really like that a lot about it and it's kind of crazy how well they they matched like even like the tone of the movie the look of the movie like the lighting of the movie Mm -hmm. it was very well done for 16 bits i really like that when i saw the scene rewatching it where he grappling hooks behind the clown thug yep. and pulls the wall then now i'm thinking of the video game yep. more than i'm thinking of the movie so yeah that's cool yeah definitely cool um i'm stealing this one from you because tim burton he out tim burton himself he did i really really like batman returns it's top notch as they would say favorite um i have a my favorite scene i believe of uh batman uh returns is selena kyle's transformation into uh, uh, Catwoman. Yeah, I was a really big fan that she reused her line of "Hi, honey, I'm home." Oh yeah, I forgot I'm not married. Yeah, I really like that she reused that line, and, and she just comes into that apartment after she's fallen and woken up, and is obviously a different person. 
and then gets set off by that answering machine message, answering machine message from uh, Shrek's department store, mm-hmm. and just goes completely nuts. And it's like she's a woman on a mission. She knows exactly what she has to do, mm-hmm. exactly what she wants to do, and that switch has been flipped. And she's just become the best character of the movie. Yep. And she <laughs> accomplishes that goal by the she, end of the movie. She does, which is, uh, it's interesting that you say that because it, she's like the only one that's really successful in this yeah. movie at all. Right. Bruce wanted to run away with her. Uh-huh. Uh, Penguin wanted to be the mayor. And Catwoman wanted to kill Max Shrek. Guess who killed Max Shrek? Yep. <laughs> Catwoman only took eight lives. Yeah, it only took eight lives. But I guess I would say she probably thinks it was worth every one of them. Definitely. I changed my mind. Do you remember when I stated that I thought Selena Kyle's and Bruce Wayne's uh, chemistry was bad? Yes. I changed my mind. Their it's chemistry good. is amazing. It is. I thought so too. Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle deserve to be together. They do. They. I. I kind of wish that she would have gone for it at the end of the movie and said, "Yes, let's run away together." Agreed. I know what you mean, though. When you, I think your original thought of like. She is too good for him. I will say that the one, and it's it's not Keaton's fault per se, but the one of the major issues I have with him as Batman is he doesn't look as handsome as I think Bruce Wayne should look. Agreed. I mean, that's why I thought Val Kilmer stepped up a little bit. And then, yeah, of course, Clooney looks the part of Bruce Wayne the best. But I, I think between Keaton not looking super buff and then not being the most handsome dude ever. That was like the two issues I had with him other than the bat suit, which is definitely not his fault. Not his fault. But yeah, I do I do really like him as Bruce Wayne with her. I think they have really good chemistry together. And as their alter egos as well. I really like the scene when they're at the costume ball and they both tell each other that they're tired of wearing masks. I agree. We did I really like that. We did touch on that a little bit in the podcast, but it really, and then when they realize each other, even though I believe, I think that they should have been able to have figured it out by then. Definitely. Um, when they realize who each other are, like, especially Michelle Pfeiffer really conveys that, like, mm-hmm. tragedy she feels for him. Yeah. Dude, does that mean we have to fight now? Yeah. And obviously, I didn't do any justice to the line that she delivered, but it was like, felt like real tragedy for her. Definitely. Um, I don't know if it was on purpose in this movie, but Selena Kyle's eyes are always like bloodshot red as yeah. if she has just been crying for four hours. Yeah. Or hasn't slept since oh, she ha- fell off all those awnings. Or you know, that even makes more sense that she, cause she's out all night and then she's up yeah. during the day. So she doesn't sleep. Yeah. Cause she's, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think no, about that. No, you just came to that conclusion. Well done, because that makes perfect sense. Dun, dun, that's, dun, dun, dun. that's why she's so out of it during the day, and she has bloodshot eyes and like rings around her eyes, because she's been up all night. Yep. Duh. That's an epiphany. We need a sound effect, like you just said. <laughs> uh, lastly, for since this is the last movie that Danny Elfman does the score for, I really think Danny Elfman is the greatest of all time for Tim Burton Batman movies. Yeah, it's really, really good. I really, really love his score. Like, as soon as the movie starts, it's just like, bam. Mm -hmm. Just maybe because Elfman did so much stuff in the 90s, and I have, like, high nostalgia for the sounds that he puts together. But I I don't think you could have picked a better uh, person to put together the score for both of these movies. Um, I wish he would have stuck with it, but I'm sure... It kind of seems like if Tim Burton's there, you got a Danny Elfman, and 
without mm-hmm. Tim Burton, you might not have Danny Elfman. Right. Well, let's move on to Batman Forever. Um, you want to give me some best and worst lines? Let's do it. So real quick, though, I forgot I was going to include. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joker and Catwoman have two incredibly similar lines in each of their movies. So in the first one, when Joker is meeting with Grissom's men, and he's got like the button in his hand that sets you aflame or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but he sings nuclear. Yeah, nuclear. He sings, Oh, there will be a hot time in an old town tonight and then Catwoman later when she's outside the department store with Bruce Wayne and the second one says, It's gonna be a hot time in a cold town tonight. And I, I thought that was really cool for sure. I like that a lot. Way to put that together. That's amazing. I I didn't notice that. That's amazing. I like that a lot. And that's obviously done on purpose. Definitely. Yeah. And the only thing similar is I think Arnold says it's going to be a cold town, but he doesn't say anything else. So it's like the he tiniest does, little. Yeah. Uh, might be a little nod. Many nods in the next so two many movies. Yeah. Things. Mm-hmm. So Batman Forever, some good lines. I got definitely more good than bad in this movie. And then it switches in this next movie. So the first one is, of course, the opening scene. I'll get drive through. <laughs> that it, is a classic, classic it, line. It's good. It's supposed to be funny, but it actually is funny on yes. the next movie. Um, and then the Riddler, after he hits his boss, caffeine will kill ya. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Uh, this one's definitely very Riddler driven with all the best lines in this one. Uh, I didn't notice this somehow until the most, the fourth watch of this, but I thought this line made me actually laugh out loud. So when the, He's trying to cover up that he killed his boss, and they come in and ask him questions. He's fake crying, and he's like, he was like my father, my brother, or cousin that visits all the time. (laughs) I thought that was a pretty good line. And then uh, Alfred, the one I got written down from Alfred here, I think. Leave that, Master Dick. I just thought that was (laughs) worth mentioning the first time he calls him Master Dick. That is. That is definitely worth mentioning. Is that when he's doing the laundry? Yes. And then he does it anyway. And And then he does it anyway and leaves it. Sort of mops up the tiniest little bit of it. And then he's like, see you later. See you later. (laughs) Uh, Bye. Another Riddler one. This one's kind of because of his delivery, but riddle me this. What kind of a man has bats on the brain? That is a really good one. I like that a lot, too. And then uh, this one I mentioned when we did our podcast originally, but I like when Two-Face tells his henchman, no killing, and then the Riddler says, that goes double for you. That's really good. good Oh, I do have Alfred as another one here. You really are quite bright, despite what people say, he says to Bruce Lee, and I like that one. <laughs> he should have saved that one for uh, Clooney. Yeah, he definitely should have. When I read that, I was like, did he say that to Clooney? No, okay, I did write this down for Kilmer. Uh, Two-Face, I gave him one good line in here. I like at the end of the movie when Robin is looking for him, and he jumps up to him and says, ha, looking for us. I just like the <laughs> duality part of that. Yeah. Riddler again, riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black bat? He really did have some good lines, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And then let's and then again him at the end. This one made me laugh every time I've listened to it. This acrobat turned orphan like Saturday morning cartoons and dreams of one day being bare naked with a woman. <laughs> 
I like that's that what one. he does his announcer voice right yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, really yeah. good that's really good so there was actually more good lines than i expected to write down from this movie but yeah no, no, that's great riddler driven yeah uh then we get to the bad ones the first one i wrote down was two faces henchmen when they're up in the chopper and they think Batman is, like, dead. He fell off, and he's celebrating. Then he falls on the top of the windshield. Hey, face! <laughs> face? Are you kidding me? I had to rewind it and put the subtitles on. I'm thinking, he doesn't call him Harvey. He doesn't call him Dent. He doesn't call him Boss. He doesn't call him Two-Face. It's just, hey, face! <laughs> I want my nickname to be Face. Hey, it might not face. be a good thing, but... People call me face. Yeah. Call me face. A face. (laughs) And then, uh, let's see. This one, I don't know how I didn't notice this one until the fourth time watching it, but Bruce Wayne says this to Chase Meridian. I really got to get you out of those clothes. Long pause. And then she says, excuse me? And into a black dress. Do you like the circus? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) That, That was so... And then she just rolls with it, like, okay. Yeah, I love uh, the it, circus. It worked. He got her to the circus. I mean, and then I got when she calls him up to the top of the tower or whatever with the bat signal, and he thinks it's Commissioner Gordon, but it's her trying to seduce him, and he mm-hmm. says, are you trying to get under my cape? <laughs> <laughs> That's just brutal. There's some pretty rapid fire bad lines in that scene. Yeah. And then the last one I wrote down was from Robin. Holy rusted metal, Batman. And then Batman goes, huh? And then he explains <laughs> that it's literally rusted metal. And then Batman goes, oh, oh. <laughs> I, uh, Moving oh. on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Those are some really great lines. You pick some very good lines. Uh, I like that a lot. I say that a lot, but I like that a lot. Um, the thing that I was mostly struck with this movie is the fact that it's like a big budget Hollywood film now. Definitely. Um. It's it's such a different tone. I've said it before in this podcast, and I'm going to say it again. Watching the movies in a row so close together does not help the last two films. It doesn't. It's jarring how different uh, mm-hmm. re- uh, Forever is compared to Returns. Like, yeah. It's just such a... It's like you've downshifted into a different gear. It's just, yeah. it's just something completely different. Um, it is painfully 90s, though, which I appreciate. Which, yeah, I like a lot. Can you, so I had somebody ask me, he's like, I have a problem. He's like, what What do you mean when you say it's so 90s? Like, can we explain that? Like, So, like, the pastel colors, the day glow stuff. Definitely. N- the black lights. Black that's light, what I yeah. Was thinking. The neon that's everywhere. Wet, for movies specifically, wet streets and smoky, yeah. uh, uh, um, Sewer covers, um, the just that type of stuff, you know, the the quick action, the smash cuts. Yep. I still don't think I'm using that correctly, but I'm going to keep using Maybe it some though. of them Dutch angles. Dutch angles, you know, that type of stuff. That's what I mean when it's painfully 90s. Like the music is just invokes those feelings of 1994, you know. Yeah, just, and it is kind of like a feeling. That's what yes. I get when I'm watching it. Somehow I just feel like i'm watching it back in the 90s yeah i don't know because of the setting i don't know what it is but and when i do say painfully 90s i mean it in a good way definitely in a good way because it i mean you can like you said it's a feeling like you can yeah. feel it like there it is 90s stabbing yeah. you 90s and if we didn't you. think that was a good thing we probably shouldn't be doing the truth podcast. truth the truth the truth the truth 
Um, everything about this movie seems a lot less seated in reality. It seems a lot more like you're watching a comic book. Yep. As definitely. opposed to watching something that could happen on the streets of Gotham or New York City. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, the music in this movie, though, is absolutely big time. Like Kiss by a Rose, right? Kiss by a Rose? Kiss from a Rose? <laughs> we went through this last time. Oh, I, I get remember. it wrong every time. So it's one of the two uh, is painfully 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know that song's not into the, in the movie until the credits. Um, but just the, the whole, the fact that there's big time pop music in it, um, I liked a lot. The music's a lot better than the music in uh, Batman Returns. Yeah. Besides the score. When I mean the music different than the score. Right. You know I mean? so, and I really liked that Flaming Lips song. Yeah. When you first go to the Riddler's like, yeah. apartment lair. Like, I was kind of listening for it more this last time, and they, they sound awesome. Yeah, it's super appropriate. And Flaming Lips, go check them out. I, they don't need my promotion by any means, but go check them out. Check them out. <laughs> um, Robin is a welcome addition in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't have a Catwoman, because you don't have um, a Vicky Vale, even um, to a lesser extent, but really somebody like the Catwoman uh, to have Batman play off of, you know. Mm-hmm. And Chris O'Donnell, he does a pretty good job at it. His acting isn't the best, and Master Dick. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he's a welcome addition for me. I I do like that he was added. Um, could he have been added earlier? Yes, but not in returns. There was too much going on to throw a whole other character. In Definitely, Way and too I, much I wouldn't on. have liked him being in that, and then being with three different Batman's total. Yeah, he'd have been in that. So. Yeah, I think that would have been a bit too much. He's a, it was an appropriate time to add Robin to the mix. Yeah, um, the, uh, Batman uh, Forever is way more action-centric. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to the capabilities of Val Kilmer versus the capabilities of uh, yeah. Michael Keaton. Like the fight scene in the beginning of the movie with the elevator and that yeah. electric gun, we couldn't decide how it even worked. <laughs> right. Is it a really good scene? It yeah, is a good a scene. It's a really good fight yep. scene. I like it. it is, it's definitely good. Um, let's touch on the Bat Boat and the Bat Wing. So this is the second iteration of the Bat Wing. Yep. It is different. It looks more like a Schumacher movie Bat Wing, which is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm disappointed that uh, it was cool that we got to see where they're coming from, but I'm disappointed that both of them, especially the Bat Wing, got knocked out of the sky so quickly. Yeah. It was just over with, you know? Right. And again, I also hyperventilated one more time when I saw those thugs get put in a net. Same, underwater. same. I did notice this time they at least float to the top. Yeah. Which yeah. made me feel a little bit better. But yeah, that's scary. Um the bat boat though, completely throwaway. I totally didn't even talk throwaway. about I didn't even talk about the bat foil in Batman Returns, but that's another yeah. complete throwaway vehicle. Yep. Um so take it or leave it on the bat boat. I guess just one more reason to the bat boat looked a lot like the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Um so just not a fan right off the right off the bat, and uh, yeah, it, good riddance to bad rubbish. I'm glad it's at the bottom of Gotham Harbor. Yeah, <laughs> um, I got nothing else for forever. Me either. Um, so Batman and Robin, hit me with them best lines and worst lines, please. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, I have to remind everybody that Drew is the amazing Arnold impression person. Ooh, Mine's a little bit you, more like uh, the Will Sasso version. Oh. <laughs> Still good. But yeah, so the good lines are definitely minimal in this one, but I do like some Mr. Freeze lines, starting with, You're not sending me to the cooler. <laughs> I love that one. 
And then uh, Robin hits you with the good one that makes me think of TMNT when they get out of the spaceship and surf down. And he's like, surf's up, cowabunga. I like it. I I like it. it. Um, I didn't notice this one until the most recent time at Mr. Freeze. Stay cool, bird boy. (laughs) (laughs) What one was that? Uh, Right when Robin thinks he's going to go chase him once they get to the ground. And he just turns and freezes him in place or whatever. Stay that's cool, a, bird boy. That's a good line. Yeah, I like that one. And then, uh, let's see. I got no beauty, just the beast. I liked that line. That is good. Uh, the bones will turn to eyes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good impression. Is, I like that. That's, of course, a good one. Yes. And then the last good one I got, I have mentioned a couple times already, but I love it. Bruce Wayne hits uh, Robin with the, she wants to kill you, dick. <laughs> When he's just, like, so insistent that Poison Ivy loves him for him. She wants to be with me, and you are jealous, you jerk. I don't think he's using that in the context of his name. Yeah, I don't think so either. (laughs) I don't think so either. I think he burned him, and he wasn't even ready for it. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so we got plenty of bad ones here. So right away, opposite of forever, I hate the beginning lines of this one. Robin hits you with, I want a car. Chicks dig the car. And then you got George Clooney in the most George Clooney Batman voice. This is why Superman works alone. <laughs> okay, all right. He delivered it as if he was a wooden doll. Yep. And then we've got the Iceman Cometh. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's, it, it, I told Drew earlier, I mean, any Mr. Freeze line can be good or bad. Yes. If it makes you laugh, pick where you want to put it. Yes. But, uh, we got another one. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. <laughs> I obviously hate that, as I mentioned earlier. It's just horrible. Jumps through the skylight and hits you with the high freeze. I'm Batman. It's almost like he should have been chewing a piece of gum when he said it. Yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you. Here's my credentials. (sighs) And then we've got, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. (laughs) And then uh, I got the scientist. I thought this was just a horrible line he says to Ivy when she pops back up. You look great especially for a dead woman. What is that supposed <laughs> to mean? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know what that He's means. He's in the dead chicks. Yep. And then we've got Poison Ivy hits you with the come join my, or come join me. My garden needs tending. Oh my goodness. Yikers. Take care of that for yourself, lady. <laughs> yep. Take care <laughs> of that. Uh, and then I had said the last time you said Jesse Ventura's in the movie, and somehow I didn't notice, but now it was very evident when I was taking less notes and watching that he's in the movie, and he hits you with the, welcome home, frost face. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other henchman says, you're the common cold, and we're the cure, okay? That's a bad line. It's such a bad line. And then uh, we got this one, I, I can't. I can't do the whole thing, so I'm just going to read it. Allow me to break the ice. My name is Freeze. Learn it well, for it's the chilling sound of your doom. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow, Arnold. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What's the next one here? Always winterize your pipes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just good advice. (laughs) Yeah, that's just good advice. He's just looking out for you guys. And then Drew mentioned this one. It's just such a stiff, weird line. It's the final one I got down here. Hey, Freeze, the heat is on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I, I suppose I did put Bane into his own category because he has five lines in the entire movie. Let's hear them. 
Bane is the first one. Then he hits. She tells him to step on the gas, and he goes stop. <laughs> and then she says, "No monkeying around or no monkey business." And he goes, "Monkey work." <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm just appalled by these lines. And then he shouts, "Exit!" Oh my goodness! And then over is the final thing he shouts. So we've got six words total that Bane says. So to reiterate Drew's point that he is a very throwaway character, he is a very, very, very throwaway character. They needed somebody to drive Poison Ivy around, so. Yep, yep. And just be the mindless muscle yep. that nobody can realize to pull his head apart. <sighs> just, uh, it's just bad. Just bad. It's just bad. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you one of those lines which you choose one of those lines, and I'll do the I'll do my impression. Oh yes. You you Let choose one. Pick here. You choose one. I'll do it. You gotta give me, even though you've done it already. I want to hear their bones will turn to ice from you. <coughs> their bones will turn to ice. <laughs> and then, uh, all right, hit me with one of the bad ones. I suppose hit me with what killed the dinosaurs, the Ice Age. What killed the dinosaurs, the Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I thought I was doing pretty decent, but, man, you just blow me out of the water with that, Arnold. I love it I'm so just a, That's just, I've always had a talent for that one, just the way it is, you know. Yep. Um, so this movie is just super duper over the top. Way over the top. It's another gigantic, big budget Hollywood film that it seems like the studio said, here you go, Joel Schumacher, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You want more money? Here's some more money. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work out, unfortunately. No, it did not. Uh, it's just really hard to take this movie seriously. Um, and if you're going to watch this movie more than once, don't, don't take it seriously. No. Go into the fact, go into that movie with the idea that you're supposed to be laughing at everything because yes. everything is a joke. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I've said this a bunch of times, but watching this movie at the end of watching the other three just does not do it any favors. Uh, this is the first movie, though, that has passable CG in it. Right, Definitely. it's not glaring like, oh my god, somebody made that on an Apple IIe. You know exactly, what I mean? like, yeah, I it's agree. just not glaringly evident. And I know in Returns and I know in Forever that type of stuff was groundbreaking and it was cutting edge and everybody was ultra impressed with it, but it just does not hold up. It, it does is not a glaring mark on the movie. I'm just I, that's why I, I, you know, it doesn't help that I'm such a big fan of practical effects. Like, yeah, it, that that doesn't help. At least now you can't notice, or you yeah. can at least. Suspend your belief when you're watching aliens fight each other in space, right? Because right. it's it's believable enough. But I digress. I will get off my my pulpit for that one. <laughs> um, let's touch on Alicia Silverstone. Sure. She she gave a fine performance. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, she was good. It, um, it it is weird that she has no accent. I think we yeah, talked about that. Yeah. But you kind of get over it after she a little bit. Should have had some sort of an accent. Something. Like I feel like it made an appearance like right away, just a little bit, and then somebody yeah. was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't do that." Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't do that. Just yeah. talk. Yeah. Just talk normal. <laughs> she gave a fine performance. In no way is she needed for the story. Not at all. Not at all. Uh. 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 Master Dick could have easily taken her place for mm -hmm. what she did with Alfred. Right. 
could have easily done anything. I mean, Bruce Wayne could have taken her place for what was happening with Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, it does give an excuse to introduce the character of Batgirl, but that's like the chicken or the egg thing. Like, if you don't need to introduce her, then you can just put somebody else, and then you don't need Batgirl. You right. Know, so, uh, I mean, it kind of set it up for if they would have done a fifth one. Yeah. It would have been cool to see her kick a little more ass because yeah. she didn't get much time as the Batgirl. No, she didn't. And I'm sure this is just standard, but I did find a problem with why did her suit have to have heels? Is that just like just how it has to be? So I was thinking about that also, and the only thing I can really compare it to is the female characters in like the Marvel universe that's so prevalent now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them do wear heels. They do, I suppose. And they they probably shouldn't be wearing heels. They probably shouldn't. That's a very like masculine like projection onto women. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's unneeded. Definitely. Heels are not a comfortable thing that I think most women like to wear, let alone somebody that's running around riding motorcycles Jumping and kicking through skylights, you know, kicking and... people in the face. So. Yeah, no. So the heels are problematic and they're still problematic in today's cinema, if you ask me. So. Definitely. Um, would you have liked to have seen, if not a fifth movie, a Batgirl spinoff? If it were a TV series, which would be unlikely to have happened in the 90s or another mm-hmm. movie with Alicia Silverstone. Would you have uh, would you have liked that? I mean, if we gave this one a chance, I certainly would have given anything in the Batman true, universe true. a shot. Um, but I mean, it would have been a like you're saying hypothetically only her, like no appearances from Batman or Robin. It or... would be her. Yep. I mean, maybe you. I mean, if it was a movie, there would probably have to be a cameo from Batman. Yeah. So it would be something I would watch. Probably not something I go see in the theater. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, I was thinking that she might have done well on like a mini series on Fox in the middle of the summer. Definitely. Like a five episode, five week thing in the middle of the summer. Yep. You know, you get five 45 minute episodes of Batgirl doing Batgirl stuff. You could have her origin in uh, London. Mm-hmm. You could have her trip uh, over to America. One episode where you have to bring back Clooney and Alfred probably only get Michael Go- Goff for the TV series. Yeah. And then you have a little bit of, oh, remember when I saved your life? And then, yep, oh, yep. I got to go fight more crime on my motorcycle. Yeah. Um, so it would have been interesting. Made for TV might have been what it deserved or what it could have done. Yeah. I don't know. I Maybe mean, Robin deserved his own movie. Yeah. Maybe she would have got a shot with the show, like you're saying. And then if those are successful, and this is uh, all hypothetical, obviously... Um, maybe you bring the two back together for another movie, right. just Batman and or, uh, Robin and Batgirl yeah. after Robin has ascended to be Batman. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. So maybe that would be what the, what the Robin movie would be about. It would be him taking over the mantle from Batman mm-hmm. and then you re, so that would be Batman six or five and six mm-hmm. and a mini series. So there you go. They're out there for yep. anybody that wants go. to make them. Start them up. Um, final question for the ladies. Basinger, Pfeiffer, Kidman, or Thurman. Uh, not for looks necessarily, but just their overall performance in the movie. Pfeiffer, 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 yeah, Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, and then Pfeiffer. Yeah. Pfeiffer yeah. eight days a week. Yeah. That's for that sure. That doesn't mean any of the other ones were bad. I think, like you said, Uma Thurman was, she was there. She was, eh. Um, I didn't love Vicky Vale. No. I didn't hate Vicky Vale. No. But I like the middle two i liked chase meridian even though she was a little over the top sexual but yep. uh obviously michelle pfeiffer just i i will watch this movie probably once a year at this point around christmas time like you said and i think so how can you not after seeing that yeah it's really really good 
Yeah, I like her a lot. Uh, so I guess the consensus on this end is Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, 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 Pfeiffer. She did Pfeiffer. such a great job. Um, so now, obviously, our next step is going to be to rank the Batmans. Batman? Batmans? Batmans? Batman? Um, I'll go with mine first. Um, just I'm ranking them based on the movie. So I'm putting them. So I know Keaton's in two of them. So he's going to appear on the list twice. I'm ranking okay. them by movie. So number one for me is Keaton in Returns, and then it's Keaton in 89 for two, Kilmer in Forever, and then Clooney's rounding out the list. Definitely, yeah. Um, I just think that uh, Keaton's performance in Returns is a lot better than his performance in 89. Agreed. Uh, The movie overall is just a better movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Tim Burton really came into his own and had an idea of what he wanted to do with that movie, and I really like Keaton as Batman in that movie specifically. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, Yeah, how about you? I can't really argue with that order. Like I said, the main issues I had with Keaton was just doesn't quite look the part for me. Not quite strong as, as strong as he needs to be, in my opinion. But I would say my favorite one is Batman Returns. I would maybe argue to switch Val Kilmer into second for me, and then Keaton third, and then, of course, Clooney is fourth. But I think... Either one of those works for me, but I didn't, I wasn't just like blown away with Keaton in the first one. I didn't think he was bad, but I, he didn't like sell me as Batman, but then he got a chance to do the second one and I really liked him in that one. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was a little bummed too that Kilmer didn't get another shot. Yeah. Cause I would have liked to see him get a second movie cause he's a little stiff in some parts, but he looks the part and he's got the strength factor. So he looks the part, and that's a, a really good argument for putting uh, Kilmer up one spot. I kind of struggled with that myself because the physicality that Kilmer brings to the series is just above everybody else, mm-hmm. and it's almost enough to put it into that second spot. I just prefer the way that Keaton plays Batman. Mm-hmm. I like the kind of like uh, goofy, dopey, you know, I, I, I like that part of Keaton's Batman. It's not for everybody. Like and, a little more Adam Westish. Yeah. It, or? Eh, not so much like he almost, he, he plays like the dummy, you know, mm-hmm. but he's not. Right. So he's just kind of putting on that front and trying to, True. See, you know, I appreciate that about Keaton's Batman, but Kilmer's Batman is way more physical. Like I've said multiple times now. And uh, he delivers the lines just as good as any of the other Batmans, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I enjoyed his level of physicality. I'll say yeah. it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, I mentioned him. We've mentioned him a few times. Let's not forget about Michael Gaff. Gaff. I keep saying it wrong. Michael Gaff. Gaff. He's the one thing in all of these movies that has remained a constant. Yes. He is the same character. In every movie, no Mm -hmm. matter who Batman is, no matter who's directing it, no matter who's producing it, Mm -hmm. he's the exact same character. And without Alfred, if Alfred would have changed at the halfway mark with these movies. It would have changed everything. It would have changed everything. And they might as well have just said it's a different thing on its own. Right, agreed. They barely connected them as it was. So I think it's a godsend that Gaff came back for all four movies. I agree. Just lends that bit of credence, a little bit of um, connectivity between everybody. Yep. He uh, didn't get enough screen time in the first one. No, not And then they kind of like learn their lesson and like, right. we need to get him on screen a little more. Yeah. And bringing him into the more true role that Alfred has in the first movie, 
uh, Keaton's Batman asked him to like find criminal records and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And Alfred would go off and do his thing somewhere else. Right. And then the second movie, he's in the Batcave working with Batman. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Like it's that. way more true to who Alfred is. Right. And I wish they would have shown him like working on the working on the Batmobile, like mm-hmm. turning a wrench more, because yeah. that's what he's he does. That's right. who they even have that small conversation in returns about we can't bring the Batmobile to the shop down the street. Yeah. And I ex- expected to see Alfred turning a wrench on the Batmobile, yeah, but it was Batman instead. It was Keaton. Instead. Yeah. And he brings up that Alfred's been trying to fix them or something, right. but he doesn't have the time. Right. Or, so, yeah. Like you said, I completely agree with you. Gaff should have had more screen time. He's a highlight in the, all the movies. Definitely. Always a highlight. Um, with that, unless you have anything you'd like to add to uh, our Batman roundup, I think we can move on to the homework assignment. So I do have one thing to add. I feel like. Hit me with it. As the. Biggest Friends fan on this podcast. That includes listeners. Yeah, mm-hmm, test me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, I had to write down all the things that are Friends related that I notice, especially watching all four of them in a row. So I'll start with the smallest one is in Batman Returns, the newspaper boy who's trying to get Alfred to buy a paper is the pizza delivery guy in season one of Friends. He brings them the wrong pizza and it's this big ordeal. <laughs> I, I always notice those people like that. Uh, George Clooney's girlfriend in the fourth one that wants to marry him, but he calls her Ivy, is Joey's hot roommate that moves in when he puts out the ad looking for a roommate, non-smoker, non-ugly, and he winds <laughs> up with her, and she's like a dancer, and it's this huge storyline, Janine. And then there's, for Chandler and Monica's wedding, they're trying to find tuxes, and... Ross gets Batman's tux, Val Kilmer's tux. Funny. And outs Chandler, who has 007's tux. But then later they find out that he did not wear it at the red carpet for Batman. He wore it in some other movie. So then Chandler makes fun of him for wearing this sappy yeah. movie with where he plays a blind guy or something like it's that. It's sort of like John Voight's car in uh, Seinfeld, right? Yep. He's, he's got John Voight's car, but it's not the John Voight. Yep. I like it. And then the final thing, which is my favorite thing that coincides with the show is there's a point where they're talking about their celebrity list people they can sleep with and it's okay to their significant other as if like if the opportunity appears you're allowed to sleep with this person chandler's list the first girl he says is kim basinger so vicky vale i I understand why and then ross actually has two he has uma thurman and michelle pfeiffer that's his list that is on purpose there must have been some sort of writer some sort of crossover yeah. with these movies. So the movies were what, 95 was Forever and 97 was Batman and Robin? Yeah, 89, 92, 94, and 97, maybe 95. Maybe it was that. Nine, yeah, one of the two. So this happened in season three, which would have been 96, 97. So it would have been so, right before Batman and Robin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, there must be some connection there because those things don't happen in a TV series without a writer being a fan something. or something, even if it's that small, just a writer being a fan. Maybe they're fans, yep, of, yep, you know, yep. so it got worked in something, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, that is a, a great addition. That is, I love that stuff. That is so interesting to me. Yeah. I absolutely love that stuff. Um, so let's move on to that homework assignment. Let's do it. Um, so we're going to do TV. 
but it's gonna be our first TV show. I'm excited to do a TV show. I TV shows. To. Yes, it will be fun to prove that we are more than just a Batman podcast. It's more than just a Batman podcast. Thank goodness, because I'm really done with Batman. Yay! <clears throat> so we're gonna do uh, what was called Double Nicktoon Weekends. It was on the fall schedule on Nickelodeon, obviously Nicktoons, in 1997. And we chose 1997 because, A, there's this Double Nicktoon Weekends, and, B, uh, the Double Nicktoon Weekends includes three shows that we really like. Definitely. Um, so I'm just going to run down what the, the schedule was for Double Nicktoon Weekends. Let's hear it. So it ran from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. 10 a.m. we got Rugrats, Stellar. 10.30 a.m., we got The Angry Beavers. Great. 11 a.m., we got Hey Arnold. That's amazing. We 11.30 a.m., Ah, Real Monsters. It's a good show. Yeah. Uh, 12 p.m., Rocco's Modern Life. And technically, that's the end of the Double Nicktoons weekend. But at 12.30, a real, a real gem shows oh, yeah. up at 12.30. Ren, the Ren and Stimpy Show. Yes. Um, that block is amazing. It's that a like, pretty crazy like, block. That like, is just... 100% watched all those shows so many times. Yes. Double Nicktoons. I don't specifically remember Double Nicktoons Weekend being advertised from a child, but I know I watched it. I was watching, yeah. <laughs> Didn't need the advertisement. So we chose three of those movies, and I, or three of those shows, and I think you, the listener, can understand which one of them is going to be. Uh, but we're going to go with The Angry Beavers. We're going to go with Rocco's Modern Life, and we're going to go with Ren and Stimpy. And we chose those three because, one... They are all on this block together. Uh, two, uh, Rocco's Modern Life and Ren and Stimpy would have ended their runs, and Angry Beavers would have just started their run. Correct. So this this block of shows started airing after Angry Beavers' first season. So their first yep. season's completely done with. And we wanted to try to get a sample of what we watched as kids, and that's another reason why we chose this. And... To do that, the only way we could get these three television series uh, in one podcast was to choose this specific uh, fall block in 1997. So I would have been, in 1997, I would have been 13, and you would have been... And I would have been eight. Eight. So, you know, a little bit of... 13 and eight, that's kind of a big difference between 38 and 35, right? Yeah. Yeah. so, Angry Beavers aired from April 19th, 90, 1997 to May 26, 2001. So, it's the most recent one. We will never be able to watch that last season, or the last two seasons, unfortunately, because it takes place in the 2000s. We chose the very first episode, episode 101, Born to be Beavers and Up All Night, because like all these shows, is two 15-minute blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original air date would have been April 19th, 1997. It was directed by Robert Hughes, written by Mitchell Shower and Victor Wilson. Um, I distinctly remember watching this first episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I watched it the day that it the the day that it the premiered or what, but I really remember this episode. It's very very funny. Watching them find their home where they're going to end up living is a great. Great episode. Yeah. Uh, the introduction to uh, Norbert and Daggett is absolutely amazing. Love it all the way through. Yeah, I love the show so much. Um, and then Up All Night is a play on a classic uh, Twilight Zone uh, oh, okay. episode. So. Yep, that makes sense. Very, very cool. 
Um, next, we're assigning Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, that ran from September 18th, 1993 to November 24th, 1996. It's episode number 204. And we're going to do Down the Hatch and Road Rash. So it's the one episode, two 15-minute segments like uh, Angry Beavers. Mm-hmm. Um, Down the Hatch was directed by, uh, the animation director was Howie Perkins. The story was done by Martin Olson. And it was directed by Doug Lawrence. Uh, Road Rash, uh, the animated direction was Peter Michaels. The story was by George Maestri and Joe Murray. And Joe Murray is the creator of Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, okay. Um, and then this one was directed by Jeff Swampy Marsh. So if you watch a lot of kids' cartoons from the 90s, you will see Jeff Swampy Marsh's name in a bunch of them. Sure. I just re- remember seeing the swampy part in the credits all the time. Um, Road Rash is controversial. There's a scene in it that was edited. We'll talk about it a lot more in the next podcast. Yeah. The original air date for this one was October 23rd, 1994. Um, hey, so my girlfriend was two. <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> I was about to have my, uh, well, 10 and a half ish, pretty close to my 11th birthday in October. Um, so that's the one we're going to watch with that one. Um, Ren and Stimpy. We're going to choose an episode out of Ren and Stimpy. Um, that ran from August 11th, 1991 to October 20th, 1996. So Ren and Stimpy is kind of like the granddad to all these Nicktoon cartoons in a sense. Yes. Um, we're doing episodes. The so Ren and Stimpy episodes are broken up a little bit differently. Um, we're going to do episode 3A and 3B. It would have aired together, but they're just labeled a little bit differently. And 3A is called Space Madness. And that is a story by John Kay, which John Kay, I'm going to say his last name right now. It doesn't look anything it doesn't sound anything like the way it looks. His name is John Chris Faluski, but it looks much different, and it's way easier to say John K. Yes. Uh, story by John K. and Jim Gomez. The storyboard was by Jim Smith and Chris Riccardi. Um, the second episode, 3B, is called The Boy Who Cried Rat, and that's a story by Vincent Waller and John K. Storyboard by Vincent Waller. The original air date was September 8th, 1991. Uh, so... That first episode, Space Madness, is an episode that is normally used in television programs when somebody is talking about Ren and Stimpy. It's the mm-hmm. one where they're in the space suits, they're on the spaceship. It's a pretty iconic episode, and yeah. that was one of the reasons why I decided to choose that one. Um, all of these episodes are available on DVD on Amazon. They're reasonably priced DVD box sets also. They run about 20 bucks. It's not that bad. But if you would like to spend... Uh, whatever it costs for Paramount Plus for a month. All these episodes are on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Or you can probably find them on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a good way to find these episodes. So I'm going to run through them again here really quick. Angry Beavers, episode 101. You'll be able to find that easily. Rocco's Modern Life, episode 204. And then Ren and Stimpy, episode 3A and 3B. And they're all two 15-minute segment episodes. So we'll have more information on those episodes uh, next show uh, when we decide to review these, when we do review them. Yep. Um, I'm excited to do this episode, this TV episode. Definitely. Um, It's going to be even more so reliving a piece of my childhood because unlike Batman, I watched Rocco's Modern Life and Ren and Stimpy and Angry Beavers on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Even if there's like an episode that we decide to pick where I think I'm not going to recognize it by the title, oh, I know you I'm going to know it as soon as it starts right. playing. And it'll be 
a hard to not binge more of these correct, shows correct. and only watch these episodes. And then B, I, w- I am going to enjoy that we can watch one of these episodes six times in the amount it took to watch one Batman movie. <laughs> Agreed. So that Agreed. will be nice for It'll both of us. Much less work. And nice for you guys for the homework. Too. Yeah, yeah. And we probably won't break these episodes down scene by scene. There's not enough content there. Right. So we're going to definitely be going for more of a, a feel, impressions, and uh, how we like the shows. Yeah. Um, I'm just really excited to to do this and start moving on from Batman. <laughs> yep. Batman is in the rear view. Uh, bye Batman. Um, in the show notes, I'm going to have links to the fandom pages where I found, uh, this information about, uh, double Nicktoon weekends and the 1997 schedule and the Rocco's modern life episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, fandom from this 1997 schedule episode, the, the, the link I'm going to include in the show notes, you will be able to look out basically every Nickelodeon schedule from its iteration until present. That's crazy. It's crazy to be, it doesn't give you specific episodes, but it gives you what was airing on those days. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty useful thing. If you want to try to relive some, something or find something to watch that you weren't alive for. Yeah. I guess with all of that said, let's move on to that outro Trav. Let's hit up them emails. So for these emails today, looks like to start out, we are stepping into the ring for a few questions here. So the first one comes from Sergeant Slaughter wants to know who was your favorite wrestler in the 80s and 90s? 80s, Ultimate Warrior. Hulk Hogan is a close second. Definitely. But Ultimate Warrior was my guy. I know they had a feud, uh, but Ultimate Warrior was my guy. And then 90s, I was was really a, like, so I kind of went away from wrestling a little bit. And I came back into it in the middle, in the mid nineties and sting and like Goldberg and sure. all, oh man, so I love that WCW. Stuff. Yeah. WCW mostly in the nineties. Yes. I remember coming to see Goldberg here in Mankato yeah, yeah, at Pacific yeah, Center yeah, when I was yeah. a kid. And that was when he was on his string of yep. like however many wins. Mm-hmm. And my dad loved him too. So we got the shirts, the jackhammer shirts. We went to the event and I think he won in like. 40 seconds i remember that it was he speared him like almost immediately it was very quick done for but yes um i put for the 80s yellow trunks hogan oh yeah that's hard to beat and i mean i was born in 89 as you guys probably remember but i rented a lot of old wrestling movies all the time so that's how i fell in love with hogan and then for the 90s a lot of options because i really liked the attitude era of wwf Mm -hmm. and wcw was really good too with uh Bad Hogan and, yeah, wolf and NWO and the Wolfpack, but I put Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hard to beat. Hard to beat. And uh, yeah, I don't drink beer. I've never liked beer, but he was like my idol when I was a kid. This dude is the. <laughs> I love watching him open up a can of Wolf Ass. Uh, do you do you remember the Hulkamaniac song? The- I wanna be a Hulkamaniac. Have fun with my family and friends. Hulk. <laughs> Hulk has a rap in that song. I did not know oh, that. Oh, boy. It's, I did not know that. It's worth a Google. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question here comes from Goldust. Wants to know, what was your favorite kind of wrestling match to watch? Well, the Hell in a Cell is always really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, ladder matches were always, uh, man, you know somebody was bleeding after yeah, the ladder match. Definitely. I, I Whenever I think of like epic matches, I always think about when mankind jumped off the top of that. The hell in the cell yeah, with my the Undertaker. Goodness. Oh, 
he, I cannot believe that guy did not die. Yeah. Um, but any of those like big, massive, high stakes matches were always fun to yeah. watch. And yes, wrestling is fake, but they still have to go do this they stuff. Still yeah, get like, hurt. They still are jumping from the top of this helm yes, cell yes. onto this breakable table. But I basically wrote the exact same thing. TLC matches, ta- yep. tables, ladders, and chairs matches. I always love those with like the Hardy Boys yep. and uh, Hell in a Cell. Because the same thing, if I think of one epic match from when I was a kid, the two that come to mind are the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, oh, the hour-long match. Yeah. And then... R.I.P., right? Yep, yep. And then the Hell in a Cell with... Uh, mankind and Undertaker. Yeah, there was a lot of good cage matches in Hell in the Cells, but that was the one. That is the one, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, and then we got William Regal wants to know what was your favorite wrestling pay per view event to watch. Well, I never really got to watch any uh, wrestling pay per views live. It was always like the clips on like the Saturday afterwards sure. or something like that. So when they had the big Royal Rumbles, I was always made sure that I was watching uh, wrestling on Saturday mornings yeah. for the for the recaps of those. Yep. Yeah, so as I said, I would rent them and also my babysitter's son at the time who was much older than me, he had his own place and he would rent these and he always loved all the wrestlers that everybody hates, like <laughs> the ones I just mentioned, William Regal, Gold Dust, Sergeant Slaughter, he lived for those guys a and he would always ro- root for them just to piss me off. But um, I put WrestleMania was always stacked, of course. Yeah, you yeah. Got all, always have the awesome matches at WrestleMania. And then Royal Rumble was my favorite for sure. Um, the old ones where Hulk wins a couple in a row but doesn't get that third one in a row. Yep. And then Stone Cold does the same thing in the early to mid-90s. He's got two in a row, and he should have won the third one. And then I think Vince McMahon jumps in the match and throws (laughs) him out of the ring and cheats so he doesn't win. Oh, that was... (laughs) Killed me as a kid. Like, no! It's so funny to, like... He got chipped. That wasn't set up. (laughs) Come on! It's so funny how, like, much that stuff mattered and how much it's, like... I haven't really thought about a lot of wrestling in a number of years, yeah. but that stuff just comes flooding back in yeah. my brain. I'm just like, oh my goodness, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I asked someone today if he was a wrestling fan when he was a kid. He said, wasn't everybody? <laughs> That's the correct <laughs> answer. Seriously, I don't know anyone that wasn't into it when you were a kid. If you're a boy between the ages of five and about 16, you are a wrestling fan. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so we're stepping out of the ring now, so... Switching it up here, we got Jason Voorhees wants to know, when you were young enough to go trick-or-treating, what did your Halloweens consist of? Like, how many houses did you hit? What was your night like? Well, I trick-or-treated until I was about, I bet I was about 10 or 11 years old when I probably stopped trick-or-treating. But before that, we lived in a, like a small neighborhood kind of behind a park when I was really young. And that was when I was like six, seven, eight years old. It was here's your pillowcase, get on out there, you know, and I was like six years old, it's dark, and I'm by myself, you know, you run around, hopefully find some friends, start ringing doorbells, and thank goodness I knew where I lived, to me, that's what my, uh, uh, that's what my Halloween's consisted of when we lived over on Perry Street, Sure. Uh, when we moved to the house where I grew up the rest of my life, um, it was uh, one of those, you know, uh, split level neighborhoods, the roads were a grid, and the whole neighborhood, like it was contained. There was only one way in and one way out at the time. Mm-hmm. So 
the whole neighborhood was just wall-to-wall kids walking around. Cars were not driving anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it was just as much candy as you possibly can. We had a, I remember there was a house that used to give out pop cans. There was the great house that had full-size candy bars. Mm-hmm. And there was always the one house that was two blocks over that put the, put the giant dish of candy out and said, please take one. Well, unfortunately, um, <laughs> I was one of those 11-year-olds that, uh, with my friends, decided to take it all as soon as we got there, because every year it was, let's run right over to that house and take all their candy. <laughs> oh so I'm not, I'm not proud of it. Savage. I'm not proud of it, but uh, that did happen. That is pretty funny. Um, I did something sort of like that, so my dad would take me, I mean, we'd go to people who we know. But then he would take me to the trailer court because mm-hmm. more houses yep. with less walking. It's your your uh, your ratio, right? You're yep. getting you're getting that up there. And like you said, you would carry a pillow sack. Yep. My dad would carry the pillow sack, and I would carry the little lunch pail. Uh, that's good. And yep, dump every, it in there. every so often. You dump it, and then you get to the house. Oh, you're just starting. Let me load you up here with candy. That is genius. And it was my dad's idea. Genius. So thanks, Dad. But yeah, that is what my Halloween's consisted of. And then at the end of the night, I know this is weird, but I don't like peanut butter. I'm not a big fan either, honestly. So we would get, we would go to my grandma, my mom's side, actually dump out all the candy, and I'd separate all the peanut mm-hmm, butter mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And my dad. He likes to put candy bars in the freezer, so he would always load up the Butterfingers and all that stuff. That's okay, as long as you don't start putting, like, Snickers bars in the freezer or 100 grand bars in the freezer. The, that cracks some teeth. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, we are both uh, kind of savage in our own way there. Yeah, definitely. Um, next one here is from, ew, that was gross. Wants to know, did you ever get sick in front of the school or do something equally as embarrassing? Hmm. <laughs> um, I remember falling off the playground in elementary school, like the very top of it, and landing right on my back, and it knocked the wind out of me. And so I was just on the ground, <gasps> you know, doing that. And then all of a sudden, I'm just surrounded by people. And I finally, one of the teachers got me calmed down. I was able to catch my breath. Yeah. And I just remember just getting up without a word running straight back into school and going right back into the classroom. Like <laughs> recess probably wasn't even five minutes in. And I yeah. was like, I am out of here. I am getting out of there. That was, I think that's the big one. I don't remember ever throwing, I remember throwing up at school, but it was never a big mess. Like in I, front of people. No. Yeah. It was never a big mess. Yeah. So I have, I'm very picky eater. I definitely don't have the greatest like gag reflex or anything. And when I was a kid, I, my dad always packed my own lunches cause I'd eat like, 10 of the things for hot lunches so if it was pizza day or whatever i would eat that lunch but otherwise i brought my own lunch i was eating my normal lunch which consisted of sandwich cheese balls and i think fruit snacks and somebody offered me their cookie at the lunch table which i thought was chocolate chip i took a bite into it it as peanut butter and that's all it took i didn't swallow it or anything but immediately the taste of peanut butter made me just barf all over the cafeteria table if you ate peanut butter today would you barf i don't think i would barf but i would it would maybe be close (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't want to try it with if i was anything but an empty stomach i do have to say you are the first person I've ever heard of barfing because of peanut butter. I'm not a fan of peanut butter, but I'll still eat it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do not like it for sure, and especially as a kid, it just set me off. And then that was like the running joke for a long time: is 
oh, I've puked from cheese balls. Like, it wasn't the cheese balls, right? It was I, the peanut I, I, butter. A kid I went to grade school with, he actually liked the post about the podcast. So, Jeff, if you are listening for the last time, it was not the cheese balls. <laughs> it, it was, was the, the peanut butter cookie. It was the peanut butter, all right. Come on, dude. Told you for years now. And then for this last email here, um, I put is from could I be any more excited wants to know what are some of the homework assignments that you guys are excited for you know that's a really interesting question because our future is ahead of us it we've is. done four Batman movies a video game roundup and now a Batman roundup yep. and now we're finally moving on to something different from nick, Batman nick, 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 nick. so I guess I have a I have a really long list of stuff that I want to do. Yeah. I, I not all of it necessarily am I excited for per se because some of it stinks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's stuff that I would like to do. I feel like Definitely. there's some meat on the bone. So I'll just it, it's like forty things. So I'll just give you an abridged abridged reading here. A couple. Of them. Yeah. I definitely I definitely want to do Predator. Definitely. Arnold. I mean, this is my first thing is Predator. Arnold. Second thing, Conan O'Brien or not Conan O'Brien. Conan the <laughs> Barbarian. Arnold. Uh, so I'm down for any of those. Obviously, Rocco's Modern Life, we're doing that. Um, Garfield and Friends, were you a fan of Garfield I and Friends? Garfield. Oh, I love Garfield and Friends. Yes. It has their own, they have, he has their own, it's all Garfield and Friends on Pluto. There's a, oh, um, that free, like a channel dedicated yes, to Garfield. Yes, it's all Garfield and Friends, and I absolutely love it. Uh, Bloodsport with the oh, Van Damme. Yes, See, we could do that's these. A good one. We could do these in a suite because Bloodsport and Kickboxer are the exact same movie. Yep, both yep, Van Damme. Yep. I would love to do those. That'd I, be definitely. Fun. I was a huge Van Damme. Fan. Uh, never Ending Story. That's one that we've talked about for yep. a while. The Mask is on the list. Definitely. Uh, Kevin got to get to the end of that to see the Space <laughs> you, Ghost. You, yeah. Well, you got to watch it out. I suppose VHS, you could, you could yeah. find it on YouTube. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, Mad Max, like I've talked about before, Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. I'm a big fan of that one. Have you ever heard of a show called Eon Flux? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It was an MTV show in the '90s, and I'm debating on whether or not it's a PG-13 appropriate for this podcast. Sure, it might sure. be pushing the boundaries. It was on a thing called Liquid Television on MTV. Do you okay. remember that at all? It sounds Some familiar. Very like avant-garde uh, animation. It was like Adult Swim before Adult Swim was sure. even like an idea. It was way more. It was on MTV late nights and was probably something I should not have been watching as like a 12-year-old. Yeah. But Eon Flux, Aeon Flux, however you want to say it, that's a big one for me. And then there's a couple other shows called like The Max, The Head. It, like we could do a whole thing on just uh, on liquid television. Dumb and Dumber, Buckaroo Banzai, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. I enjoy that movie a lot. Elf the TV series. It's not very good, but it was a show I loved as a kid. Uh, obviously we got to do Tommy boy and black sheep. Another Definitely. instance where it's the same movie, do it in a suite. Yeah. Um, happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, space jam, the Terminator T2 total recall. Love it. Love it. Love it. Indiana Jones trilogy. Yep. I need to see that. Yeah. Major league. That would be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, it'd be fun to do a couple of games too, like Kirby's all stars. Yeah. I love that game. We just do an NES roundup, choose five random NES games, and we can assign them, and we can do them. That would be fun. Um, same thing with the Super Nintendo roundup. Uh, the Stand miniseries from mm -hmm. uh, Stephen King that was on 1995-ish. That's got uh, Rob Lowe in it and mm -hmm. uh, Lieutenant Dan. I can't remember who Lieutenant... What, uh, what's his real name? Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Uh, it'll come to me, Don't maybe. Know. Top Gun. That one's rather topical. Uh, Risky Business. Uh, and then some more Nicktoons. Hey Arnold, Doug, 
you know? Definitely. I would have really loved to be able to do Alien. It yeah. came out in 1979. Oh, gosh. So we have to do Aliens. Yep. Alien is a great movie. It and I'm really is. sad that we can't do it. Yeah. I'm not going to start breaking rules already. There's no. way too much we content. We got way too many things so to choose from. That is just a, a small snippet. And maybe in the future, we can do some uh, movies or television shows with the warning uh, not for children. Yeah. You true. know, um, be special episodes not for children. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because <laughs> there's, there's definitely movies out there that I would like to do, like Natural Born Killers, Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead do America. Oh, definitely. You know, stuff, Dusk Till Dawn, stuff like that, yeah. stuff that I own on VHS that I absolutely loved. And now I'm seeing it here. Jurassic Park trilogy, duh. Oh, definitely, duh, duh. definitely. What about you, Trav? So we've talked about some of these, but like video game movies. Yeah. I'm excited to do like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. and Double Dragon because I think we can like associate or incorporate the games with that and make it a little more fun too. Um. TMNT trilogy, obviously, and then Jurassic Park trilogy. But both of those, we've kind of decided we're gonna wait a while till we do that because yeah. we don't want to pound you with so much of the same content no. again, like we did with Batman. But I am excited to do those at some point. Um, I'm really excited for Mouse Hunt because Drew hasn't seen it. <sighs> yeah, we both good. love Christopher Walken. That sounds good, and it, it's a really funny movie. Um, just barely making the cut. The Shining, 1980. 1980, same Jack thing Nicholson. with Tron on my list. I didn't say it, but that's yep. a 1980 also. The Shining will be really fun. That's probably my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, one I rented a lot as a kid, and I still like it. Clue. Clue. That's like a good that. movie. Have you seen all the endings? Yes. Okay, because yep. on the VHS, it's on the, all the endings are on, and I'm assuming same thing with the yeah. with the DVD. So you know when that was originally released to theaters, you had to go to the movie like, four different times or however many i had no idea you have and it would be like ending they would say in the paper that it's this specific ending so you'd have to go back to the theater if you wanted to see another ending that's crazy so that's a that would be really interesting to do because i'd like to see the numbers on that like how many people went to see it there was four endings correct i believe three endings i don't remember whatever we'll get to that one because i like that idea a lot definitely um Another superhero movie, Blade, was 1997. Ooh, that like started the Marvel craze it for did. me. Definitely did. my uncle showed me that one. I had to look this up to see if it made the cut. 1999, The Matrix. Oh, we yes. got to do The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Come gotta on. do The Matrix. Gotta do The Matrix. Um, I really liked The Fugitive and U.S. Marshals. Tommy um, Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Some good Robert movies. Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. Younger, Wesley Snipes. Um, I put the X-Men animated series. That would be really fun. I think that was 92 and they did five seasons. So that's a lot of good content to choose from. That series was very serious and was very adult. You know, it was, it's a very good series. Mm -hmm. Um, Pokemon. Yeah. 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 Something for sure on my list that you haven't seen much of. No. That would be exciting for me. Um, And the last thing I wrote down was TMNT 87. So the original animated series that I've, watched a lot of but have not since i was a really little kid so Agreed. it would kind of be like brand new to me i mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. but yeah there's a lot of things i mean and if any of those sound interesting email us yeah let us know yeah. which ones you think would be a lot of fun for us to do so this is a little bit of uh future casting but uh our episodes are like legitimately getting published now where are the emails 
Where are the emails? Where guys? are the emails? I know I screwed up that first time, <laughs> but email us at overdue homework podcast at gmail.com. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're awesome. Give us some topics. Tell us best and worst lines that we missed. Like, how did we miss these after watching these Batman movies so yeah. many times? Email us. Just do it. Overdue homework podcast at gmail.com. Do it. Um, so, yeah, a reminder here as we end the emails there. That the homework assignment is uh, Fall of 97. Uh, we're doing Ren and Stimpy, Space Madness, The Boy Who Cried Rat, Season 1, Episode 3, Rocco's Modern Life, uh, Down the Hatch and Road Rash, Season 2, Episode 4, and Angry Beavers, Born to be Beaver, and, or sorry, Born to be Beavers, and Up All Night, Season 1, Episode 1. Um, as I said, email us. I'm going to say it again. Overdue homework podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework. And follow us on Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. And that is wrapping up Batman for us finally. As we have said, we are very excited to bring some non Batman related content to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we've kept your interest this whole time. And hopefully, you guys are just as excited as we are. So, yeah, make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.